Okay, well, uh, if you'd like to open up again uh, to Ephesians chapter 1, that's uh, what our message is going to be on. Uh, Ephesians was uh, most likely a circular letter to uh, all of Turkey at the time. Uh, the word uh, written that Paul wrote to Ephesus actually is not in there in the original um, Greek translation. So it's likely that he wrote this letter to all the Christian churches in Asia Minor, which is in the modern nation of Turkey. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles and he was writing to his converts about the message of grace. And that's what we look at in the book of Ephesians. So I hope you're open up to uh, Ephesians as we, uh, as we begin. To begin, I just want to ask us to imagine a child in the car with his family on the way to the ski fields. So if I was driving from Sydney, I'd be driving down past Canberra, down uh, through to Jindabyne on that snowy Monaro Highway. And uh, just imagine as that kid gets into the Snowy Mountains National Park, that um, a fair way out from Perisher, he looks to the side of the road and he sees a little bit of sludgy snow on the side of the road and he gets really excited and he says, Dad, pull the car over. And he starts to bang on his dad's chair and bang on the window, Dad, pull the car over. I want to go and see that tiny little bit of muddy, sludgy snow but the dad doesn't pull over because the dad knows if he keeps going up the road, he's going to get to Perisher, he's going to get to Blue Cow and there's going to be snow everywhere for his kid. Today we come to Ephesians chapter 1 and what we're going to see in this chapter is it's all about God's glory that is revealed in salvation. You see, I wonder if we think about our salvation sometimes, if we might be a little bit like that kid who looks at that puddle of muddy snow on the side of the road and forgets about the greatness that's up ahead. You see, I wonder if when we think about our salvation, we don't quite understand what we've received. We don't quite understand the greatness. We don't quite understand the greatness of what we have access to in Christ. You see, if we were to be like that, it would be like a child on the side of the road complaining about that little bit of snow, wanting to see that little bit of muddy snow, when really the greatness is up ahead. There's a greater gift that he hasn't realised the snowfields of Perisher. It's a bit like our salvation. We need to zoom out from ourselves, zoom out from our own life, zoom out to see the greatness of what God has prepared for us rather than not really understanding what we have access to. And that's what we're going to be doing today in Ephesians chapter 1. So in Ephesians chapter 1, we see that God's glory is revealed in salvation. We're going to see three things in our talk today. We're going to see, firstly, that it's planned by the Father. Secondly, that salvation is purchased by the Son. And thirdly, that our salvation is preserved by 
the Spirit. So firstly, God's glory revealed in salvation is planned by the Father. It is planned by God the Father. Would you have a look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 with me? It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So this is coming to us from God the Father. And it says that we have every spiritual blessing. Isn't that amazing? We haven't just been given one spiritual blessing. We've been given every spiritual blessing. And it's not talking about just earthly blessings. It's talking about spiritual blessings. Blessings in our relationship with God that only God can give. And it says God's given us every single one. Every blessing that the Holy Spirit can give us in our relationship with God has been given to you. Isn't it amazing? The blessings of our inheritance, of our salvation in God. Now, uh, it's been planned by the Father, this salvation. It's been planned by him. For we see in verse 4, have a look at verse 4. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now, isn't that an amazing thought? God chose us to be his people before he'd even created the world. This here in Ephesians chapter 1 is the clear teaching of our predestination to salvation. God chose us. He elected us as his people to be saved. Now, this is a very confusing doctrine. And we need to be really careful when we learn about this, that we don't think about it or teach about it in the wrong way. Even the great John Calvin, who was a great proponent of this doctrine, he said that this was a labyrinth, a maze that we cannot look into too deeply lest we say the wrong thing about it. But what can we say? The fact that we've been chosen is a great comfort to believers. It's a great reminder that even from ages past, our salvation is by God's grace and not by our own works. What a comfort, what an encouragement this is, that it's been planned by the Father. But we see he's done it for a purpose. You see, he hasn't just chosen us, but he's chosen us for a purpose. Look at verse 4. For it says, he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's challenging, isn't it? God did not call us for impurity, but he called us for a holy life. The purpose he chose us is that we would live holy lives before him. Well, how are you going at that? Are we living up to that grand purpose of holiness that God has chosen us for? This has been planned by the Father. 
And we see then it talks about how we've been adopted into God's family. That was planned too. Have a look at verse 5. It says that God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. We've been adopted as sons and daughters in God's family. Now, the concept of sonship and adoption in the ancient world, it, it tied into the rights of the son. It tied into the promise of what was to come in the inheritance. You see, as God's sons and daughters, we've been given that promise of inheriting all of God's estate, of going to heaven. And as we've been adopted by God, we know that we are now in God's family, that God is our Father, our loving Heavenly Father, that Jesus Christ is our elder brother in the family of God, and that every Christian is my brother or sister too. We are a family, the family of God. This was planned by the Father. And we see it wasn't just planned, but in verse 5 it says, it was according to his pleasure and his will. It, God delights to give these spiritual blessings to us. Isn't that wonderful? This salvation has been planned by God. And so as we've been chosen by him, we are already on God's team. Even from ages past, we're on God's team. Uh, it makes me think of the story of the Australian cricketer, Manus Labushane, or as I like to call him, Lamshank, because I can't pronounce his name. Uh, but uh, my friend and I uh, went to the cricket test uh, in January in Sydney, and we saw Manus Labushane score 200 runs. It was pretty amazing. But the way his career began was interesting. You see, when his career for Australia began, he was kind of already on the team. How did this happen? Well, in the uh, 2019 Ashes series in England, Steve Smith, the captain, got injured on day four of the test. And on day five, Labochane was standing around and he got to play cricket and uh, he never left the team after that. He became one of the greats of our cricket team. You see, it wasn't like he was randomly selected. It, he was already on the team when he made his breakthrough for Australia. Friends, it's the same with us and with God. We have been chosen. We are already on God's team. And so now we have to start acting like it. Start acting like a team member. We are already on God's team. He chose us from ages past. He chose us to be a son or a daughter of God. What a wonderful thing to be chosen for. And it gives us great security and confidence in the free gifts that God gives us. You see, friends, we can know that our identity in Christ is assured that God chose us, we can know that he loves us, that he saves us, that he adopts us. This gives us great assurance and peace in our life, doesn't it? 
So we don't need to be overwhelmed by the uncertain things in life. But we can embrace the certain things. Our relationship with God, our destiny to live as his children. Those are the certain things that we have that we need to hold on to at times like this. And as we know that our identity in Christ is assured, we can go out and we can serve confidently for him. God's glory revealed in salvation is planned by the Father. What an amazing thing the Father has done for us. But you know, it's also been purchased by the Son. God's glory revealed in salvation has been purchased by God the Son, Jesus Christ. Have a look at verse 7 with me. It says, In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. You see, this salvation, this glorious salvation, was purchased by the Son of God. In verse 7, it says that he, he found and won redemption for us. Redemption is an image from the slave market in the ancient world. When a slave would be there in the slave market waiting to be purchased or waiting to be freed even, you could do that. You could pay the price by redeeming the slave. They were in slavery, but the ransom price is paid. And now they're freed. That's what happens with us and the cross, isn't it? It's a redemption. We who were in slavery to our sins and headed to hell, Jesus paid the price for our freedom by his death. And so he redeems us. It's the great thing of the Christian life. Our redemption, our freedom we have now in Jesus Christ freedom to be forgiven and relate with God. We see there that he redeemed us through his blood. It was his death that saved us, just like the blood of the Passover lamb redeemed the Israelites from Egypt. The blood of Jesus keeps us safe from the judgment of God and redeems us from our spiritual slavery. And we see it brings us the forgiveness of sins through his payment of the price for us. So this glorious salvation has been purchased by the Son. And you know, as we move on uh, from verses uh, 7 to 12, we see that this salvation is further affected and further focused on Jesus Christ. We see in verse 9, in verse 9, that God's purposes come together in Christ. We see in verse 10 that everything is heading to that day when all will bow the knee to Christ. We see also in verse 11 that it's all about Jesus Christ, that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. You see, Jesus Christ is central to God's plans. He's won the salvation. It was purchased by the Son. 
Uh, Francis Chan has uh, a good uh, illustration with a, a children's story that he tells called The Big Red Tractor. I don't know if you've um, heard it before. But basically, the story goes that there is um, this farming town and uh, there's one big red tractor that the farmers use to plough and sow their fields. But the thing is, they don't know how to use the tractor. So they pull the tractor up the field and they push it down the field. Pretty inefficient, really, isn't it? And then uh, one day, one of the farmers is up in his loft and he finds the manual to the tractor and he realises that he can just turn it on and drive it. And then they have so much power for their farming life after that, after they do that properly. You see, this is a bit like our Christian life with Christ. You see, we can't do it on our own. We need to receive Christ Realise that he's done it all, that he has the power for salvation and for the Christian life. We can't do it on our own. But once we put him in charge, that's where the power for the Christian life begins. You see, if salvation were maybe not like a tractor, but if salvation were like a car, this amazing salvation we've got would be like a Lamborghini that God's given us. And we don't want to crush it, but we want to fulfill our potential in Christ. He's given us so much. You know, eternal life cost Jesus his life. It's huge. There is nothing that I should hold back from him, is there? The great missionary C.T. Studd is known as saying these words. He said, if Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice would be too great for me to give for him. Eternal life costs Jesus his life. There's nothing I should hold back from him. We see this salvation is planned by the Father. It is purchased by the Son. And thirdly, it is preserved by the Spirit. God's glory revealed in our salvation is preserved by the Holy Spirit. Would you have a look at verse 13 with me? It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we see there that we get inclusion into God's kingdom by hearing and believing in the gospel there in verse 13. Do you remember when you first heard the gospel and believed? And at that point, as we believe in the gospel, as we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. See there in verse 13? We are marked with him, in him, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, in the ancient world, uh, when you were going to send a letter out to someone and you wanted it to know that it had come from you, you would place your seal on that letter. It was a bit like a signature going off to wherever the letter was headed. 
Well, this is what God has done with us by giving us the Holy Spirit. We've been marked with God's seal, saying that we belong to him, that we come from him, that we come serving under his authority. The text there also says that the Holy Spirit is like a deposit. See there in verse 14. He is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of God's possession. Now, uh, when you're buying a house or, or something else, the deposit assures the bank that the rest of the money will come. The Holy Spirit who lives in us assures us that God's just not going to stop and not give us the rest of our salvation. No, it's all going to come. Heaven is all going to come. And the assurance we have is this deposit God's given us of the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, you might ask, how do I know that I have the Holy Spirit in me? Well, do you have a passion for Jesus? Is Jesus your Lord and your Saviour? Do you bear the fruit of the works of love? Can you say that Jesus is your Lord? For it says in Corinthians, no one can say that Jesus is Lord unless he has the Holy Spirit living in him. We have the Holy Spirit as this guarantee of what is to come. So friends, we must be fueled by the Spirit in our lives. It tells us that God himself is at work in us. You know, <clears throat> when we remember this, we can be bold for God. We have God in us. We can be bold and not hold back on the things that we do for him. Have you ever heard that quote, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God? We can be fueled by this spirit in us and be bold for the Lord. Don't hold back, but have a crack at things for God in your life and trust the spirit to work. You could have a crack at leading a growth group or leading kids church once we get back together or teaching scripture. You could do it. You could do it. Or even getting involved in our internet services by reading the Bible or doing a kids talk, you could do it because we have God himself dwelling in us. It's his power, not ours. Friends, we are the redeemed community of God. The Trinity has worked in us. We are called to him and called for a purpose to make him known by our existence in this world. This is the work that has been prepared for us and the Holy Spirit enables us. This salvation has been planned by the Father, purchased by the Son and preserved by the Spirit. God's glory is revealed in salvation. Do you know that? It's pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. Just read Ephesians 1 again. <clears throat> it was planned by the Father. He chose you. You're on his team. Now start acting like a team member. It was purchased by the Son of God. 
Eternal life costs Jesus his life. There is nothing we should hold back from him. And it is preserved by the Spirit of God. God the Holy Spirit lives in you and promises you what is to come and gives you the power for the Christian life from day to day. Planned, purchased and preserved. It's so amazing, this salvation. You know, this is teaching us that God is glorious in the salvation that he's given us. He deserves to be praised for what he's done. So in light of who God is, be confident of who you are in Christ. Be confident of who you are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 teaches us to zoom out to see how glorious our salvation really is. It's on the big scale. It's awesome. Do we understand the greatness of what we've received? Or are we a bit like that kid on the way up to perisher who wants to stop in the, the little bits of hopeless snow on the side of the road not realising the awesomeness of what he has access to up the road. Do we understand the greatness of what we've received, of what we have access to in Christ? It is a position with God we never could have earned. Do we understand what we have access to in Christ? The great author C.S. Lewis puts this in a really helpful way. There's a quote from one of his books, The Weight of Glory, that I'll just read out. C.S. Lewis says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, he says, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. He says that we are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Is that you? Do you understand the greatness of what we've received? God's given us a holiday at the sea. He's given us the awesome snowfields. He's given us the amazing, transcendent brilliance of our salvation. Do we get it or are we settling for less? We need to zoom out to see the greatness of God and what he's done for us. And we're going to be doing that in the letter to Ephesians. I pray that we grow in him and in our love for him and in our trust in him as we go through this series. Let us pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our salvation. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts as we look at Ephesians. Help us to know the greatness, the glory of what you've done for us, Lord. Help us to praise your glory for our salvation. Amen. Amen.